we got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. If you're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day Podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, here's Reese Davis. It's official. Georgia just reloads. Maybe it's because they're now comfortable donning a Stetson. The Hawkeye State is Iowa because there is no O. And the try, the extra point, or two-point conversion. The try. (laughs) There is no try. Do or do not. And so, so many did not. This is the College Game Day podcast for Monday, September 5th. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel here. And Pete, the try. The official name for the extra point. And so many tried so hard. Nobody tried harder than LSU at the end of the LSU-Florida State game on Sunday night which was absolutely bizarre, completely fitting. You had two muffed punts. Uh, In my judgment, errors in the replay booth on the goal line. Now they got the call right, but the mechanics of getting there were wrong. Strange out-of-bounds play uh, at the end of regulation. Stop the clock, not stop the clock. Uh, I mean, it had everything weird you could imagine. I mean... Joe Tessitore and Greg McElroy did an unbelievable job calling the game, but I don't know that I've seen a more recent, bigger test effect than the bizarre nature of of that LSU-Florida State game. That was like a a, a mind-bender. I mean, just a complete and utter mind-bender. I almost went to bed. And, you know, I mean, it was like a two-score game in the third quarter, LSU. Like, Keyshawn Booty was like apathetic would that be a nice word but it's just like it just like didn't seem like there was any juice Jaden Daniels was like reminding it was not freshman year Jaden Daniels Mm -hmm. um let's put it that way and it just they they, like boy that some teams like have played with an energy bolt like right like I think of like Florida State in week zero I watched a bunch of that game they played with an energy bolt there are teams that this weekend played within Georgia played with three energy bolts right yes there was just not there was just not that bolt from LSU until there was and then it was an unbelievable bolt and I, I guess the one the one thing I was just thinking there was like I kept thinking back when that ball hit the ground and LSU of course started moving it unlike they had all game I was like, poor Mike Norvell, because you remember the Jacksonville right. State game last yeah. year. And that's yeah. like all my mind went to. And to me, his celebration uh, was a little bit like Jimmy V looking for somebody to hug uh, <laughs> when that extra point got blocked. He was just like, he was just dancing with himself. And then he was like jumping on some someone's shoulders. And it it was, I think, for that program, which has been lost in the wilderness Really, since the end of Jimbo Fisher's time there, right? Yeah. I think it was just the the mo- they haven't had a huge momentum yet. They almost had it against Notre Dame last year, the same weekend. Uh, I think that game was Monday night. No, it, that was Sunday. That night. was Sunday night game yeah, too. Sunday yeah, night. yeah, sure was. Like they were Mackenzie Milton. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that would have been like Mackenzie Milton would have been on Good Morning America the next day mm-hmm. if they came mm-hmm. back and won. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they've teased it at times, uh, talking to Norvell this summer, he really felt like their skill was showing that Florida state was Florida state again. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, 
and George Travis, like that was he played. I thought he was big time. You know, I, thought I thought he was he terrific. Made, yeah. I, he played. He made plays on the run. He was accurate. He made good decisions. Um, you know, he he really. Remember, Reese, going into the season, there was this muddle of ACC quarterbacks. Right, mm-hmm. there were all mm-hmm. a lot of good upper middle class. You could call them stars if you want ACC quarterbacks. Well, to mm-hmm. me, Jordan Travis, that was a separator game. You know, like a couple of those guys went the wrong direction. Obviously, our, our prayers are with Sam Hartman, who, uh, you know, who who had uh, an, an ailment that he's going to be out for an unspecified, unspecified period of time for. But there was, you know, Devin Leary was just okay. Um, and threw and a it, costly interception. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Nearly costly. One that put him in jeopardy. Yes. Although... Although they they bungled that goal line stuff so bad in that game. Yeah. Anyway, we don't want to go down a rabbit hole. Like yeah. that was if if you needed to celebrate the unconventional, messy, wondrous, chaotic nature of college football, the last three minutes of LSU Florida State would be a nice. If you had to tell someone from S, bring someone from Mars yeah. and show them why <laughs> college football is great. That all pretty much summed it up, including with like an eight minute review thrown in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there are a couple of things that I, you know, I felt like when LSU went down, they, ended, they got the touchdown on fourth and goal, but the third and goal that got stopped just short, the officials ruled it correctly. They rushed to the line. They got the snap off. They scored. Whistle comes in just as they score replay booth. And, you know, you can say, okay, they were in a hurry. The replay officials need time. The mechanism needs to be better, in my judgment. You, I mean, you stop it before they snap it, or you don't stop stop it too late. And now it all came out in the wash. Just oddly enough, as the two muffed punts sort of came out in the wash because mm-hmm. you know Florida State didn't convert the first one into points, and then the one at the end of the game that could have sealed it. They they put themselves in harm's way. Let, let me say this. It's so easy to sit here and second guess. Sure. And that's not really what I intend to do. But the little pitch play on the goal line that Florida State ran that fumbled, that gave LSU the last chance, look, the pitch should have been better from Jordan Travis. And uh, the running back, I've forgotten who was in the game at the time. But, you know, if you have to stop and secure the ball, do that. I know it's hard instinctively, but knowing the – Time and score, the situation, ball is the most important. And they didn't do that. But the call put them in position to make that mistake. In fact, uh, if you read Jordan Travis's lips on the sidelines, I don't think he was pleased with the play call. And uh, it didn't seem like it. Now you couldn't hear it. But I was reading his lips and something like, call that something, you know, he didn't approve. And he was right. You know, at the end of the day, he was right. Now, should they have executed better? Absolutely. But he was right. Then the drive down the field and Jaden Daniels, Mark, almost like, uh, remember the drive he had for Arizona State against Michigan State on the road? Yes. He kind of kept taking him down yes. there, running, moving the chains. And it was very reminiscent of that. And he got down and made the clutch play. And then they get the extra point block. It was just... Uh, it, it was a cavalcade of errors and miscues, and it was all uh, dramatic and fun. You're you're not going to ever mistake me for Johnny Analytics, right? I have a full respect for analytics. Our friend Bill Connolly is a maestro of them. Mm-hmm. We have on the Friday pods and pick, but just I'm I did not grow up covering college football through the prism of numbers. So right. that said, 
can you bang three knees and just kick a field goal there and win the game? Like, yeah. Is that, I, like is that, that, like, I, I don't think this is some, like you need an MIT study. Right. To, you know, to, to, to do that. Now you certainly don't pitch the ball. You have to minimize risk in Correct. every way. Even right. if they ran Jordan Travis, who's a perfectly fine runner. You know right. what I mean? It's not Joe yeah. Bledsoe back there, right? If you ran him three times, you trust him as an upperclassman to, to hold on to the ball. But like, <clears throat> Just win the, you know, win the game. Like just North Carolina had a couple chances to just win the game. Yeah. And they did not do that against uh, against App State. And that was, I mean, we could do a whole podcast on that, you know, that yeah. mess. Um, the This is my favorite stat of the weekend. App State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. and lost. Now, I'm sure there have been 40-point quarters involving directional Louisianas and SEC mm-hmm. school. Like, I'm sure that's happened that somebody scored 40 points in a quarter. But 40 points in a fourth quarter and losing. Uh, I'm going to challenge Hard our to do. Uh, stats ninja, Marissa Dowling, to find another 40-point fourth quarter lot. Like, that. I if that's happened ever in the history of the sport, I'd be, I'd be pretty stunned. Um, that was remarkable. So, replay mechanism, interesting you bring it up. And... We were obviously at the uh, at the Ohio State game, so we were not locked in on the Florida Utah game. I had it on my mm-hmm. laptop, but like mm-hmm. it's hard when you're at at a game to watch another game, it, you know, with the with full clarity. But there was a replay mechanism, you know, from what Utah people were gathering gaff there, where it looked like they had scored on a run at the goal line, and mm-hmm. Whittingham basically said, "I was waiting to hear from them," and it didn't happen. Now the clarity of what that score was and how obvious it was, I, I can't sit here and stand on the table for it. But I do think there is some amb- ambiguity in that process, Reese, and that like literally could impact the national championship race. Mm-hmm. There, there. Uh, you know what? I want to stay on this weekend for a minute, sure. but I want to bring this up briefly and, and remind you the weekend review is brought to you by Eckridge smoked sausage. Find them in the refrigerated meat aisle at your favorite grocery store to create a one of a kind sausage recipe. Eckridge, you do you. It's not just one sausage recipe. You can get a whole bunch of them there. No, there are a lot of recipes for winning. Um, the review on the goal line was one. That's why I like the fact that our rules are, you know, answer answer to their own master not necessarily always just following the nfl i would like the replay to be a little more challenge oriented i think because then you would have some clarity as you said about um you know if mike norvell wants to stop the clock and and see if the guy got in or didn't get in which you know or, or brian kelly wants to you know they can do that even if it even if norvell's like okay look that Ruling went in our favor. We're not quite set on defense. Look at that. He might have already gotten in. Might buy him a minute. You know, whatever he wants to do, he controls it or the, is controlled on the field a little bit more. It might be a bad example there, but you get the point. Letting them letting them control when it when it stops. The other thing is the two point conversion overtime, which came into play in the Houston UTSA game. Okay. And and we don't have to go too far down this, but since we're on the subject mm-hmm. of extra points. We, we've got to get ahead of this. The rules committee has to get ahead of this. We can't have, with the expanded playoff and the emphasis on the postseason, cannot have a playoff game, a national championship game, decided by two-point conversions. Can't happen. Can't. I mean, I know it, it's probably a long shot. I get it. Can't happen. Not, not in the two-point shootout. If it happened, if it's decided on a two-point conversion because somebody decides to try one, Fine. Can't have it. Got to change. 
you know, got to get ahead of it before it happens. And, you know, look, it could still happen in a 14 playoff. But, I mean, I'm looking as we expand it, you sure don't want that. You don't want it anytime, but you sure don't want that. Yeah, we can call that the Bielma rule because that, like, how ridiculous and preposterous that was, I think was epitomized by that Illinois-Penn State game last year, Reese, where it was like, it's like deciding an NBA playoff game with a three-point contest. Yeah. Right? Like that's that's pretty much what it comes down to. And and what did they go nine overtimes last year? Yeah, nine in, in overtimes in, in yeah. Illinois and Penn State. And it was a, it was a charade. I mean, there's no other way to say it. It was not football as it was designed to be. And I respect play counts. I respect injuries. Mm-hmm. I thought the mechanism of touchdown forcing two point was a was a like a legitimate variable mm-hmm. that you know impacted the game enough where you weren't going to get. But it's actually created more you know, overtimes and plays in a lot of ways too. So I, yeah, I'm with you 10,000% that, and I'm surprised it didn't change because that was just a, that was just bad ball, man, last mm-hmm. year. I mean, mm-hmm. that was bad ball in every, in every possible way. Nobody, nobody won there. And I was actually listening to that game on the radio, driving to another game. And there was like dramatic pauses because remember the teams had to go from one side to the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, we're going to, we're going to go, jog 80 yards to, to run a fullback dive that fails to then run like 80. You know, it was just like, there was just a lot of, uh, yeah, there was a lot of nonsense there. Before we move on, there's one quick thing I want to mention. ESPN and Anscape contributor Dominique Foxworth has a new podcast, The Dominique Foxworth Show. You've heard him right here on The Right Time with Bamani Jones for Foxworth Fridays. You see him all over TV. Now he has his own podcast with new episodes Tuesdays and Thursdays throughout the season. Dominique is bringing his unique perspective on football, the personalities around it, just about anything else he finds interesting or thinks you might find interesting. Follow the Dominique Foxworth show wherever you get your podcast or on the ESPN NFL YouTube channel. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's a lot of weirdness, but you know, not all two-point plays are bad. I mean, heck, that's how Iowa scores now. I'm really trying to work <laughs> on my pronunciation of Iowa because there, there is no O in it. Their, their defense scored more safeties than their offense did. I mean, man, I mean, that was South Dakota State's a really good FCS team. I think they're ranked Amen. second in one of the polls. Terrific team. And it would have been no shame 
no shame at all. You know, if, if the Jackrabbits had gone in there and upset them, you know, one, one kind of, you know, the normal, typical FCS over FBS upset, they're a good team. But, I mean, to go in there and average just over a yard and a half per carry, four yards per attempt. Pete, Iowa got the ball 16 times. 16 times. 16 times. On average, they had 58 yards to go to score a touchdown. And Your punter is unbelievable. Yeah, he's Taylor. terrific. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What a weapon. Yeah. He, uh, I mean, he was good last year. I think we threw out T-shirts at a game day uh, that Tory Taylor, I think Tory Taylor, right? The the punter yes. at, at Iowa. Uh, I think we threw out T-shirts that they sent to us about him because he was uh, Matt, Matt Arisen, and I realized what a, a difficult thing it is to bring up his name given his sure. uh, circumstances. But what he did as a punter on the field last year for San Diego State eclipsed Taylor a little bit as the season went on. But boy, he's he's a terrific punter. He won. He and 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 Jack Campbell, who is just a tackling machine, uh, won. You know, they won the game for them. But there's really no excuse for the offense to be this bad. And yep. it's easy to sit here and I, Iowa fans want, you know, to blame it all on Spencer Petrus. They can't run the ball. They can't protect him. Receivers transferred to Purdue. Uh, I think they have some other injuries. I mean, it's, look, it's, it's not, it's not all on that dude, you know, and, and he shouldered it like a man, you know, from what I've been able to tell over the last couple of years, they've, they have to find a way. They're like the, they're like the only good team. In the sport, I mean, the the defense is good. They can't move the ball at all. I mean, you compare their defense to their offense, and it's like taking the finest Iowa's finest beef with the perfect, perfectly cooked steak and washing it down with the backwash from a week old bottle of Natty Light. You know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like guzzling champagne when they're on defense. And then chasing it with shots of Ipecac syrup that make you want to throw up. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the, these two things do not go together. And their defense deserves better to have something on off something. You don't even have to score much to win the game with those guys out there on defense. And they can't do it. I mean, it's uh, but the one thing they'll probably be able to do is beat Iowa State because Iowa State can't beat them. I mean, six it, in a row. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Yeah. Do you want a story about Iowa's quarterbacking that'll make Iowa fans throw up in their mouth a little bit? Without so, the Ipecac syrup? Without the Ipecac I don't know what Ipecac syrup is, by the way. It, it's but, stuff uh, that if you get poisoned, um, uh, they may have other uses too, but you you get it and it, it makes you get re- discharged oh, the poison. Sure. That, that makes uh, that makes sense. So the pandemic year 2020, I did a big profile of Zach Wilson and his dad, Mike Wilson's big character, walked me through his whole recruitment. He had originally committed to Brian Harson at Boise, decommitted and credit Kalani Sataki. Mm-hmm. Uh, they whiffed on him early. They had run off Detmer as their OC. His nephew was going to be their quarterback in that class. They didn't offer him. Kalani Sataki showed up at the house. He's like, hey, I messed up. All right. Like. I am recruiting your son and went and got it done. But in that time, a bunch of people came in and they took some visits and they were like, like waiting for like the night before they were to fly to Iowa to go visit Iowa. And they really liked Iowa. Spencer Petrus committed. And Zach Wilson did not go to Iowa. And that, again, that's a two-year-old, it's in the story I wrote for Yahoo, but like it's mm. that, in my mind, but like they, 
had identified him. Um, they had gone out and seen him. They liked him. He liked them. I'm not saying he would have committed on the visit because he was kind of staying open a little bit and ultimately decided to stay home. Uh, but yeah, that was a uh, that was a bad day. And I think Utah had Jack Tuttle, mm-hmm. who at the time was like one of their highest Big rated quarterbacks. Yeah, and yeah, from Southern Californian history. Um, yeah, and Pesquillo, Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, just kind of it's, it's there's a couple. Boy, what would have happened? Boy, what would have happened if he stayed committed to Boise? Boy, what would have happened if he went to Iowa? But then you could also say, what would he have become if he went to those places? Yeah, Quarterbacks I, don't all – they are very circumstance-driven. Yeah, you know, and I, you've done the background, and I'm, I'm riffing top of my head here, but if my memory serves me correctly, didn't Spencer – was it Spencer Petrus? Did he go to the same high school as Jared Goff? He's from Northern California. Yeah. Um, I was think for some reason, or maybe it was a league thing. And look, I may be wrong about this. I shouldn't just throw things out willy nilly on the podcast. There are a lot of things going on. You know, they get filed away and sometimes they get misfiled. For some reason, it rings in my mind that he broke a bunch of Jared Goff's high school records and passing. It's not as if this guy, and I'm, a, I always try to default to the side of all of these guys are good. They're all good. Spencer Petrus is a good player. Sometimes the circumstances don't line up. Sometimes, you know, you, you lose some confidence because you don't have success. If you are a Division I quarterback, starter, backup player, you're good, man. You're yeah. a good player. And, yes. and he is. Uh, they're in a Marin Catholic right. for both, by the way. Marin Catholic. In I believe he broke a whole both. bunch yep. of Jared Goff's high school records. Yeah. So no, he was. He, he's not some. Him. He's not yeah. some slappy coming in there going, "Hey, yeah. can I play quarterback?" He yeah. he was good, and he yeah, is. He was good. not a JUCO walk on. Right. You know. Yeah. That is, he's a that good is, player. He certainly he needs to perform better. I know Iowa fans are sitting here ready to come through the podcast and get after me because you always want to blame the quarterback. And by the way, that's the business quarterbacks choose and mm-hmm. when they choose to be a quarterback you get all the glory that goes with it and when things don't go well as they certainly are not going well in Iowa you get more than your share of the blame and I think Brian Ferentz is going to get a whole bunch of the blame and as good as they've been on the offensive line uh, forever uh, that was not evident on Saturday either but mm-hmm. we've probably talked more about this than, than I intended to but just because I I don't know. I thought it was kind of amusing to take the O out no. of Iowa, but you know. Yeah. Um, well, we want to talk about epitomizing the glory of opening weekend. Yeah. You have dueling safeties winning the Iowa uh, South Dakota <laughs> State game with the complete acid trip of the fourth quarter of App State UNC. I mean, th- those just like, and I literally went back to my hotel after game day and I had both on in my room. And like one is mesmerizing in a completely different way than the yeah. other is mesmerizing. Yet they're both kind of mesmerizing. It's you know what we had. I put them up in the bus too, and it was great watching. <laughs> I was watching them side by side. It for it's like a while, different anyway. sports. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, the um. Do you think I used to have a and still do? Sometimes I have this recurring dream that I can't get to the set. You know that you're you're trapped somewhere you can't go you can't find everything you can't get everything you need it's like the complete frustration of not being able to get to the set i think that's the dream that the appalachian state receiver is going to have on the two-point conversion that would have put them up late that that when they ran the play and he was actually open and for some reason he, he turned around and chase bryce who's a who's a terrific young man by the way 
kind of laid it out there. At first, I thought, Chase, make it easy for him. And I think that when he threw it, he thought he was. He was sort of in the – you know, the receiver sort of turned around, then he starts backpedaling, then he loses his balance. And I mean, all I could think of was that's my that's the dream I have that I think a lot of people have of being the frustration that you can't get to quite where you need to be. And yes. I mean, they would have I believe they would have won the game with that, even though I mean, who knows with that who game, knows? but they but yeah. I think they win the game if they get that. Yeah, yeah keep that ball was out. in the air for approximately three and a half minutes. It was like, yeah. yeah. And like, it was like the receiver's feet were in quicksand. Like the, you know, yeah, these are 18 to 22 year olds, man. And those moments they can, they can catch up to you. You know, yeah. that's, uh, that is oof, man. But that was because you watch the play unfold and you're like, oh, he's wide. You know, it seemed like I've, I assume it was like the nickel corner made a decision that he was going to, that he was going to collapse. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden it was like, Oh my God, this has happened. And it looked like the exact same play when they ran it again to try to tie it. And this time, um, you know, there there are a couple of couple of coaching decisions, and that's a I mean that's a tough one because you know you think okay it worked last time we'll have somebody open and they had he had nothing the second time you know when they were trying to tie it. Hey, what was your take on uh, running the onside kick back? And I'll just go ahead and tell you I'm all in on that. You build your lead, you make it harder. I've heard people say, just fall down. I get it. House it, man. House the thing. Put the extra points on the board. You don't have to fall down. Um, it's okay if you do, but I was, I was, I mean, come on. I would With that say few this, seconds, you, you don't have think to you have, stop them. Yeah. Remember Notre Dame Toledo last year? Yeah. Yeah. Where I think it was Daquan Finn. It was like third and 11 minus 30, something like that. And Daquan Finn, you know, takes his own read and houses it. And mm-hmm. if he had needed it and they drained some clock and kicked the field goal, Toledo would have won in Notre Dame Stadium. And mm-hmm. I could not ever, in, 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 I'm more critical and cynical than most, I would think, Reese. I could never find it in my dark heart to criticize <laughs> someone for making a football play like that. Right. Because, again, and I am non-analytical in nature, as I said before, right? Like, if the special teams coach at North Carolina is good enough to tell his hands team, you know what he's worried about? Catch the darn ball, Catch right? The ball. Like, yeah. like that's what. Now, it, look, it's it is it is a fine point, and maybe in the NFL, in that same scenario, some guy may be coached and aware enough to do that. But again, in the middle of that acid trip, of that was that game. Obviously, if you if he had the wherewithal to go out of bounds to to knee knee knee, I I I don't know, like. I, that would be very hard with, you know, with your competitive juices flowing and everything to have, let's put it this way. If a guy actually had the awareness to do that, I would give him all the credit in the world. Cause that yeah. would just be, that would be a monster awareness play, but to expect him to, I just think that's disingenuous. Or, or even to, yeah, even to think it's the right play because you're, you're putting the thing away much like Florida state was trying to, how you choose to put it away. That, that was a different, discussion about Florida State's pitch play on the goal line. Mm-hmm. But you're trying to put the game away because what happens, I mean, we saw weird stuff happen at the end of Florida State and LSU. What if Carolina guy, you know, falls? They take an eight on the, oh, all of a sudden the ball. I mean, that was a weird game. Maybe they fumbled the snap. UNLV Baylor. Remember UNLV Baylor a couple years ago? The Kevin Steele game where they like returned to UNLV Baylor. Somebody returned to fumble. It was uh, Baylor like UNLV. 90- yeah. Kevin said he wanted an attitude touchdown. Yeah. He hasn't been a head coach since, uh, although yeah. 
you know, well, I won't go into the whole uh, attempt to he make was, him one. He was I close. Love, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I love Kevin. And, you know, they were going to, he was trying to change the culture, turning it into a winning culture. Had the game won. Yeah. He wants the attitude touchdown. UNLV of all teams, what, they stripped the ball or picked up a fumble. They ran it 100 yards or 99 yards and beat them. You know? Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Now, you, Carolina could have taken three knees. I, I've never seen a team lose in victory position. I'll yeah. say that. I've never seen a team lose a victory position. So, also, but you've never seen a team score 40 points in yeah. the fourth quarter and lose, so you That's never know. True. That is that is true. I will say this. If you are going to mildly criticize anyone for that Carolina decision and they won, it would be for the special teams coach to not win. Like modern football, 10 years ago, up one, nobody would have even discussed doing that, right? Mm-hmm. But now, like, if you're up one, you're you're – you know, it's almost like the game's tied. Like you have to operate like like they somebody can come back and and, and tie you. Just that that's the way football has evolved and changed with offenses being so prolific and everything. So, I do think the very detailed special teams coaches look. Special teams is a hard it's a hard job to coach because nobody's other than your kickers are there primarily to do it. But I do think there were some notes written down saying if we are ever about to field an onside kick up one, we have to tell in in certain time parameters. Right, you can't do it with. You know, you'd have to really like have it clock oriented and dialed oriented. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the the analytics guys are adding notes to their weekly packets that they send to their uh, the, the, they send to their coaches. You you and I have not had many what I would call disagreements on the podcast. There have been some slight variances of opinion. I think I was much stronger early on that Georgia was sure. in the uh, upper echelon with Alabama and Ohio mm-hmm. State. Now that you saw Stetson Bennett and whatever he did, spinning, spinning magic bean and being a Northeastern guy, someone made the comparison to the great Doug Flutie. Now, Stetson's fast. I don't think he's the scrambler uh, that Doug was. but there, He looked it on that one play. Woo. Yeah. I mean, he there was, are some similarities. Was, that was like an ode to Bo Nix. <laughs> <laughs> With a better outcome. Yes, I, always. Yeah, it's hard yeah to I would like, I, I want to bring up something about Bo in a minute. But Stetson Bennett, I'm going to say it again. I said it all year on our podcast before we called it the College Game Day podcast. Pollock has... As uh, he fights with me about who's the actual driver on the bandwagon. And finally, I think we've agreed that we're the co-drivers. He's good. Everybody just understand, get it through your head. This guy can play. He's a top shelf quarterback. Is he maybe the number one pick in the draft? No, that doesn't matter. He's really good. He sees things. He's got enough arm. He's a terrific athlete. He's gutsy. He will turn the football loose, and I'll ride with that dude. I think he. I think he's. I think he's an excellent quarterback. Yeah, and look, he was. He was every bit of everything you and your fellow bandwagoners had said. My skepticism of Georgia was somewhat skill related, also just defensive personnel. Like, mm-hmm. could, could we expect them to roll out of bed having lost? What was it nine defensive guys to the draft? Something preposterous. Yeah, five first rounders. Yeah. I'm leading the Jalen Carter bandwagon. I, I had. You know, stand on the sideline on uh, Saturday night. A scout kind of said offhanded to me, like he may be, he could be the number one pick, if only because there are a lot of Will Andersons, not mm-hmm. in college football, but in the NFL. There's a lot of guys yeah. to do that. There are more humans who are elite edge rushers than mm-hmm. there are guys who can do what you can do in the middle there. And I, I'm not predicting he'll be the number one pick in the draft, but when you talk about what NFL teams value and who are the rarest commodities outside of like surefire quarterbacks, it would have to be some of those interior guys. But I just thought. 
there could be an acclimation period. That acclimation period happened between kickoff and the first possession. Yeah. <laughs> let, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you what some around Georgia have said about Jalen Carter. You, you, may, you may have already heard this too. Those guys we lost last year, first round picks, great leaders, tremendous players. We love them and we're going to miss them dearly. But at least we've still got the best one on the roster. There were many people there that felt like that he was the best guy already. I'm going to do something. I'm I'm working on it with our social media team. I think it sparked from when we were comparing Cincinnati, Arkansas to a demolition derby. So I'm going to try to put put together RD's demo reel every week where Mm. there's some within the rules, clean non-injury demolitions. Jalen Carter and just – Running through the Oregon offensive lineman without flinching, knocking him on his keister and making the tackle is one of the great plays you'll ever see. That, you know, I mean, it's a great play, but you don't go, wow, greatest play in college to realize how he didn't flinch and he knocked a giant human being, a starter for the Oregon Ducks on his butt and made the tackle in the backfield like it was nothing. It was amazing. He, he's, a, be on, he's a force, man. Yes. Is this going to be on TikTok? No, I don't do the TikTok thing. I'll put it on. Oh. Uh, I think the kids like to call it the gram, but oh, I just gram. call it Instagram. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I rely on Reva Labby. And, uh, She's a lead, by the way. Yeah, lead. she gets stuff. And then my my daughter, Elizabeth, understands uh, that. So I ask her. That would which, work well on TikTok. One, I'm just saying. Do I put I'm this just on saying. There? I'm just saying somebody could start an account for you. You're I've got I've got personal reasons and I'm I'm not buying in the TikTok thing, but anyway. All right. So All right. I'll, I'll just uh yeah, no, I, seemingly, I just, I'm new to TikTok thanks to Reva, and it just seems like a lot of like quick hitting like things yeah. like that. So yeah, I, I so, yeah. not trying to not she trying may, to allure you onto a social media platform that I'm I have like nineteen followers, so yeah, it's not she, exactly uh, no, yeah, you'll have a, you'll have a bunch more. Reva Reva may <laughs> Reva may convince me otherwise, but she's gonna have to do some work if that's the case. Um <laughs> but um that the Will Anderson play is going to be uh, one, two, and and probably uh, the hit on Sean Sean Chivers from uh, Devin Weatherspoon in the in the Illinois Indiana game, which were all all clean hits, yeah. um, you know, all all big time hits and and tremendous plays. That's a fun now, idea. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. I got. I want to go. Back. I'll be there on Saturday texting you like, oh, did you see that? You know, play from Maxion or whatever. I want to. I want to. One more thing on on the Stetson Bennett, Doug Flutie thing. Are you aware, which there's not much you aren't aware of, are you aware that Doug Flutie owns and has restored actual Batmobiles? And like the vehicles, the actual vehicles, the Batmobiles. I'm not aware of that. And I live in Boston and I know like more about Doug Flutie than most. I don't know Doug. I want to be clear, but like I, you know, you catch some gossip. You're at BC a lot. I know he's like played drums in a band. Yeah. I know that he like would play in, in his fifties. He would play in like local amateur baseball leagues and like pick up basketball eight times a week. Doug Flutie is just like the absolute epitome of the annoying guy from high school who was good at every sport. You know what I mean? And (laughs) and he just kept doing it into his fifties and, and Um, still, and still does. So he's down, he's down in Florida now and through the dinner gala that I've hosted the last several years for the Heisman foundation. um, You know, he, he's very kind and gracious. We've become friend friendly. 
And I found out, I don't remember how I found out, but now he'll occasionally send me a photograph of his latest Batmobile adventure. That's wild. He's, he's like, yeah, like in his garage, he's got these two. They're, they're amazing. They're all really cool. Stetson Bennett's just about ready for a superhero car. I mean, I mean, Stetson, Stetson's close to donning a cape like Flutie. Can't be Batman. I guess that's Doug. Uh, I don't, I'm not quite willing to, to put Stetson in Superman category. So maybe we can get some suggestions of what, what super vehicle Stetson Bennett should drive. Could we all be sitting at the SEC title game at the, at the end of this year with Anderson Young and Bennett all like, where do we put them on our ballot as the result of this game? Like that's, is that a reasonable scenario? Um, it's a reasonable scenario. I'm not willing to dismiss CJ Stroud yet. Just oh no, I'm not dismissing that, anyone. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I'm yeah. not dismissing anyone. But like, I think that's like there. There are certainly be other variables, and some rocket ship Jaron Hall type guy may come sure, in from yeah. the moon. Like, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't. I'm not trying to, you know, wish away the season and all that. But no, like, I know there's, what a, you mean. there's a really yeah. good, there's a really good chance that like those are the three best players in the SEC. Yeah. And, I, it's, um, I mean, it is a reasonable thing. And if Georgia turns him loose, I mean, you know, Pollock has pointed out several times, he didn't get any first-team practice reps last year. This year he did. He's the quarterback, you know, now. And there, I think it showed a little bit in, uh, in the way Todd Munkin was willing to turn him loose and let him play a little bit. And, and that help, well, that'll help that defense come along. I'm not sure that – uh, I think I actually know that your writer, I should say, I agree with you that George is going to have some times. They'll be a little more challenged. I thought they would be at times on Saturday, but their talent is is ridiculous. And they're in that mode that I think you called it uh, last time about uh, high profile recruit, become starter, become star, goes yeah. to the NFL. Next guy does it over and over again. I think they're there. So that that's what we'll see over the course of the season. But even with Alabama over the years doing that you've occasionally seen the year where the where they're acclimating to those roles and there's the occasional bust and glitch that's what i think you'll you'll see from georgia um i didn't see 49-3 or whatever it wound up being coming i thought georgia would win convincingly didn't think oregon would be as uh, abysmal uh, on offense and really on both sides of the ball as as it was uh, was that just a case of Georgia being good, or are you alarmed um, about Oregon long term? Not alarmed about Oregon long term. Like it, it just remember what happened. Chip Kelly's first game, they went to yeah. Boise, they yeah. melted down. Uh, Legarrette Blunt, Legarrette Blunt punched, 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 a, punched Howell, a guy in the face. Yeah, yeah, Chip ended up okay. Oregon yeah. ended up okay. I think it was a little perfect storm. In like the 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 the, the eye of that storm was like. Georgia's got way better talent. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, look, Dan Lanning's 34. Like, he's got, you know, he's a, he is a rookie head coach in, in, in many, many different ways. And that was a giant challenge to go in that game against his old team 3,000 miles away. And it, it, it got away from him a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. Oregon's good. And I mean, here's the thing about Oregon and Utah. And that's why this system is nice compared to the last one. And the next system is going to be even better. Both of them have all their goals still in front of them. Now, people mm-hmm. may hold their nose at Oregon because of the way they lost that game, and they're going to have further to go because of that. Um, I would think that it's unlikely that they really get back in the conversation. But Utah, I mean, Utah's it's all sitting there in front of them. I mean, I, I, I they lost the game, obviously. Yeah. But they're, they're, 
but Utah is very good. Utah has been very good, and I think they can they can roll back out and, and really make really make a legitimate run at the playoff. You know, I don't know where they'll be ranked after that game, but I don't know how you could drop them like out of the top twenty. Oregon's done for this year with the playoff. That's a disqualifying loss. Uh, absent everybody losing two or more. Utah is not. I, I thousand percent with you on Utah. Utah lost a game to a team that may or may not turn out to be better than middle of the road in the SEC. Um, they played a tough game. They played their butts off, had a tough break at the end, and they lost. It's, it's not disqualifying. You get obliterated like that, it's yeah, qualifying in my mind. And yeah. and I've been consistent in that, Pete. The year that Penn State, uh, that many wanted Penn State in the playoff as a Big Ten champion, they lost two games. They beat Ohio State head-to-head. Mm-hmm. They had two losses, and one of those was, I think I have the score right, was 49-10 to 10 to Michigan. They got killed. They yes. got killed. And in my judgment, that was disqualifying. Mm-hmm. A loss is not. Getting your doors blown off in this system when you're only dealing with four teams can eliminate you. Now, it is unlikely that Oregon plays well enough over the course of the season to even be on the cusp of it. But if they are, absent everybody else uh, in that yeah. are contending for that spot, having two or three losses, um, in my judgment, that will be disqualifying because of the magnitude of it. Because it's like, okay, you went against the best. It's one thing to lose. It's one thing to look like you don't belong. Or another thing to look like you don't belong. Oregon looked like they didn't belong. And, you know, I don't think Utah would have looked that way against Georgia. Um, they went in, Utah went into a tough environment against Florida. They didn't win the game. But, but they played well. And they could have won the game. They had a chance to, but they didn't. All credit to Florida. I don't view that as a disqualifying loss the way I do Oregon's loss. That's fair. I will bring up the 2007 principle. Uh, you you lived through that 2007 season right. like yeah. I did. That two, I believe two loss LSU won. The famous line was they had no losses in regulation. That's right. The hat came up with yes. that one. Und- yeah. yeah. I thought about the hat last night, by the way. Like that, the hat. <laughs> That, that was, was a hat game. That was, that a, was hat a hat game, game. wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, <laughs> That's a great line. That was a hat game. That was so hat Les game. Miles, he's watching that game. He's like, yeah, I've seen this before. Yes. Yeah. He, <laughs> he took a nice, nice hunk of Kentucky bluegrass, chunked it in his mouth, <laughs> spit some green. <laughs> <laughs> just like I drew it up. <laughs> he would have faked the extra point at the end. That would have been the diff- Oh, I guess that wasn't them. He would have yeah, found, found a way. Yeah, yeah he would have found was, a way. That was a hack game. But the 07 season, everybody lost. Do you remember yeah. that? Just everybody kept losing and kept losing. Now, I will say this. The sport 15 years later is completely different. And mm-hmm. not that we needed another reminder that three teams have pulled away, but we got another reminder this weekend that three teams have kind of pulled away. Now, yeah. Ohio State did not obliterate Notre Dame. I thought Notre Dame acquitted themselves very well. That oh, yeah. was, you know, I, I think Notre Dame is still strongly in that big picture conversation. But when you look at it from a pure talent perspective, and again, I spent uh, an hour pregame talking to five, six scouts on, on the sideline of that game. To them, it's very clear. Like those guys – the North Star is talent, and those mm-hmm. guys see those three programs as having the, you know, the just the volume of advantage. Yeah. I, I, I'll give you a little peek at what I'm going to do on my ballot, though I haven't filed it yet. I'm moving Georgia to number one. And I'm you sure should. I'm going to I'm going to get some pushback from Ohio State fans of why are you punishing us for 
you know, not winning by as much as you expected against what a, a team that's ranked in the top five. I'm not punishing Ohio State for that. That was a good win over a good team. I'm rewarding Georgia and and Alabama is going to slip a spot to two. And I'm just sort of holding those two where they were in order and moving Georgia ahead of them based on performance. Yeah. Um, and what Alabama does against Texas this week will will be a big deal because, you know, Texas is a solid team. I won't move Notre Dame at all, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it'll leave them right where I have them. I didn't have them as highly ranked as the polls. I think I had them seven or eight somewhere in there. I'm not going to move them at all. The one thing that I thought of, uh, you introduced me um, to a guy I'd only seen play, had met when we were in the hotel on Saturday, Mike Mickens. And I sort of relate a story perhaps to his chagrin that I'd spoken to my friend Digger Phelps early, earlier in the day. And, and Digger had said, you know, I told him, hey, Digger, you know, we're, uh, we're in the same hotel as Notre Dame. And he's like, if you see Marcus, remind him what I told him. Save something they hadn't seen, you know, uh, late in the game. The Blitz, when they had been really – really successful keeping the safeties back keeping everything in front sort of frustrating it felt like cj stroud especially without jackson smith and jigba and you come out of a timeout if memory serves and you decide i'm going to heat him up show him something they really hadn't seen and it backfired on them so don't think i won't bring that up to digger but it was uh i'm not criticizing the call you've you've got to vary things and do things and and Mm -hmm. try to make a play and that's what they did but um, I think it shows you how little margin for error you have when you're dealing with C.J. Stroud and all those weapons, man. Yes. I mean, you've got to be right and perfect every time. Well, if you're going to take a risk in a blitz and leave an area underprotected, you probably do it for the fifth-year walk-on receiver who's never caught a touchdown. Right. Who yeah. checks into the game unexpectedly because of some injuries and then mm-hmm. just the, the normal you know, b- breaks and rest and such. Like that – to me was like, okay, we, you know, we could maybe give that guy a little bit of a cushion, right? Like that's actually pretty, you know, if you, if you're going to get beat, it's not like they let Marvin Harrison run free right. on the, yeah. on the side. So um, I thought Al Golden called a pretty good game. Yeah, you know, too. I thought like, I, I think, and I've said it on the podcast before, I think that was a really good hire. I think Notre Dame acquitted themselves on that side of the ball really well. Now, obviously the rhythm left a little bit with Jackson Smith and Jigba's injury. It sounds like he's going to be okay, just uh, from what Ryan Day said after the game, um, which is great. He's like the electric. He's the kind of player you tune in for, right? When you when you watch these uh, when you when you watch these games. But yeah, that you know, it, it it with every with every you know, if that blitz hits and it's a strip sack and like you know, like you you do have to try to force the action at some point. They had Absolutely. done a good job just just staying sound, right? And they had called a couple early blitzes, not a ton, but there were a couple that you know that, that got home and, and and they were able to they were able to change some momentums there. But yeah, overall, I thought like you know if you if you told Notre Dame's defense you gave them like the point totals for going, they would have been like, oh, you know, that's you know for that's sure. not unreasonable. Yeah, no, I and I want to be clear, I don't even I'm not sitting here saying that was a bad call. I'm sure. just saying it was a call. It was a calculated risk. It yeah. was it was a a divergent. Uh, from what it was divergent from what they'd been doing mm-hmm. just didn't work, man. I mean, you know, sometimes the other guy makes a play and I, I thought, no, I thought Notre Dame was terrific. Now, you know, they can find a way to be a little more explosive on offense. Sure. Yeah. I mean, fair critique, but I thought they were terrific. They looked really, really good to go in there, keep that offense in check, 
basically the whole game. I mean, 21, we went into the season saying they're going to score 40 on everybody. Heck, you know, if Georgia wants to beat them, they better find a way to score 41, you know, and that the Ohio State has a great offense and they are going to score 40 or 50 on most everybody. They didn't Notre Dame. And, uh, and I thought the Irish played, I thought the Irish played great and they, and they are, they are tough. And Marcus, mm-hmm. Marcus Freeman, initial returns, he's cut out for this. He's yeah. absolutely cut out for this. The moment did not look play. big for Marcus nope. Freeman on Saturday night. There was no moment where the moment looked big. He was decisive. He was in control. They had an identity. They knew what they wanted to do. And they just had, they had a tough, uh, they had a tough opponent. Um, got got after his offensive staff one time because they didn't get the play call in a, a time. I was standing close enough by to say, "Okay, well, he can. He's a nice fellow, but he can scorch you when he needs to." Yeah, yeah there's some, there's some, there's some fire there. So, what were your Ohio State takeaways? Because uh, the Buckeyes have evolved, and I think we almost have to view them through the prism of evolution, Reese, as opposed to the sort of gunslinging prism that we've come to know them. A couple things. One, we'll start with the bad. I thought CJ looked a little tight, probably trying to live up to the expectations, probably, you know, feeling that pressure, even if it's subliminal, that we have to make a 40-yard play every time. Thought he looked a little tight, missed miss some throws here and there. What I really liked about them is that when they needed to finish the game by running the ball, they, they finished the game by running the ball. Mayan Williams was great. I, I did wonder at times, why 32 wasn't being fed early in the game. I, I'll I'll confess that. I was like, is he banged up? Is he okay? What's happening here? But both the running backs were good, uh, better than good. They were really good. So I think that bodes well for them uh, long-term. So my, my takeaways were that it's not a lot different than what I expected. They probably didn't play their best on offense in the passing game. That happens from time to time. And I thought the defense – uh, the defense made you work, and last year they didn't always necessarily make you work for yards. They, you know, Notre Dame doesn't have the most explosive players. You know, and they've had some injuries too, um, but they made them earn everything. They didn't give up many cheap yards. They recovered well. They tackled well. I, I thought they, uh, I thought they looked much improved on defense. And my my perception of the Ohio State offense has not changed at all. They're still wildly dangerous. They they just ran into a good defense opening night, probably pressing just a hair here and there to make big plays, and and they still found a way to win the game and come up with a a game clenching, soul crushing drive at the end when they needed to. Yeah, um, and like you think about the the drop pass was it Ibuka late second yeah. quarter? Yeah. Like that's the kind of thing where all of a sudden you get another like they were. You know, it wasn't like they were off. They were out of rhythm. They weren't like there. There was no. There were no warning signs about the Ohio State offense. No. Um, so somewhere in the third quarter, I tweeted, "This game's become an interesting test of Ryan Day's pass happy football instincts. They may need to run the ball more to win the game." Henderson at that point had five carries for thirty six yards. Mayan Williams had six for thirty two. And I said, "Does OSU try to grind it out here?" Now. The list of games Ohio State has grinded out on the ground in Ryan Day's uh, tenure there are, are fairly short, right? Like, it just it hasn't done that. Now, 
there, what we saw from Ohio State now is the confluence of some new influences there. Um, we'll start on the offensive line. They have three guys who may end up being first-round picks on that offensive line, not in this draft, but down the road. They are very talented. Paris Johnson obviously just moved mm-hmm. to uh, moved to left tackle. Dewan Jones may be the most massive man in all of college football. Um, yeah, I, I sat up this Thursday practice with Jess Sims, and she was just in awe of, of how big Dewan Jones is. I mean, he's just an enormous human being. Uh, and, but like bendy and athletic at the, at the, at the same time. So uh, they also have a new offensive line coach at Iowa state. And I think you saw a difference in a little bit of the edge in the way they played together. Uh, Justin mm-hmm. Fry, who came from UCLA, who I think is one of the rising young stars in the, in the business. So there, there was a confidence in that unit that may not have been there in the past. And that is not a criticism of individuals, but that unit had not been a linchpin. That unit had been good enough at times. And quite frankly, in some high-stakes games, there were times where it wasn't good enough. And so uh, I really feel like there will be a comfort going forward for Ohio State in high-leverage games to, to grind some people out between the tackles that may not have been there before. And, boy, did Henderson have some pops tonight. I'm with you, man. I, I thought he probably should have got the ball a little bit more. Now, look, it's easy to call plays in the press box and yeah. outside of mm-hmm. vacuum and everything. But just I wouldn't be surprised if he's more featured. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him get some ball, more balls in the throw game. He is electric. I mean, top tailback in college football conversation to me. Um, are the two guys playing in Austin this weekend, Gibbs and Robinson and Travion. And I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but boy, that's a pretty good top three right there. I think yeah, it, you. if people want to argue with it, go ahead. But sure. uh, preseason All-American list, I have Bijan and Travion. Those were the two. Yeah. And, and, and Gibbs, you know, Gibbs is certainly in that conversation. Uh, you know, Deuce Vaughn as an all-purpose yes. type guy too. He's a great yeah. player, but you're not, I mean, who could yeah. really argue with that? And I, yeah. Look, I, I'm a big Henderson fan, and I want to give Williams his props too. He, I mean, boy, yes. he run, he he does not like being tackled, and apparently does not like people who line up on defense. He will he yeah. will run through you. I I, yeah. I like him. They've got two backs. I think it's a great call. It makes Ohio State even more dangerous. I think because we know what they will eventually do in the in the pass game. Is there anything else before we flip it forward just briefly to wrap up here? Because we got a couple more podcasts this week. Anything else from the weekend that really jumped out to you? Well, we'll go a little, uh, we like to go a little obscure here. We like to have some diversity. I think one of the, again, because of time of the kickoff, one of the, the games that got lost a little bit was how badly Oregon State thumped Boise. Yeah. Look, Oregon State's really good. They are. They, they bring back almost everybody everywhere. This is a team that scored 40 on USC last year. Um, they're up, I believe, 24 nothing at the half at Boise. They, you know, the Boise came back a little bit. It's a, it's a good program. But that game with the Trojans going to Corvallis, I believe that's week three, Reese. Is that mm-hmm. right? Off the top of my head? Like, that is, that is sound the alarms for your danger. You know, I can already tell you it, there'll be like fog, rain, a month. Something is going to happen at Reese Stadium that night. But give credit to Oregon State for all of the turnover in the Pac-12. When you think about Oregon, you think about Washington, you think about SC. Um, like Jonathan Smith, it, much in the way of his mentor Chris Peterson, has quietly built a sound quality football program. The last piece there was the defense. We saw some answers on defense tonight from the Beavers, or I'm sorry, Saturday night from the Beavers for the first time. So I just thought that was worth noting is that, that you know, the, the, the Beavers are in the conversation in that Pac-12 North. Uh, you know what? That game is September 24th, and I went back to the hotel after the Ohio State game, and I watched that game too. 
And you know, Boise State played a little better in the second half, but that was a thumping. I he's done a Smith's done a really, really good job there. They've, you know, dumped a couple of games here and there that's kind of kept them, I think, from grabbing attention. Mm-hmm. That that time may be over. Uh yeah. <laughs> this year. They look they looked really good. They've got a they've got another tough one this week. They've got Fresno State. On the road. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So on the road. That's gonna yeah. be that'll that'll be a difficult one too. Washington looked a lot better. Yeah. And um I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to try try not to do this. I'm going to try not to do this every week, but hey, man, the old super dog on college game day. How about Jed Fish and the Wildcats? How about that? That was that was really, really, really impressive. Uh, And it's the contrast of the two things, right? Oregon State is a study in continuity. We spend so much time obsessing over transfers and who's new and who's going where. Hey, you got a bunch of dudes together. That's a powerful force in college football. Now that said, Jed Fish needed some new dudes because he got handed a uh, he got handed a pretty uh, a pretty bad roster there, and they like they got lost. I think yes. they like fifty new players. Yes, so you get Jaden Delora and you get Jacob Cowing from UTEP, mm-hmm. who may be one of the five best receivers in the country. I mean, he was dominant last year. Everybody wanted him. He goes to he goes to Tucson, and, and the early results were were, were were pretty sparkling. I mean, he had a well, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but it was like a buck fifty nine catches. He was he was elite and legit, and uh, good good for Jed Fish. Like here's this thing about the Pac twelve, it ain't that hard to go from the bottom to the middle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and they seem like they're on that they're on that trajectory. And again, the narrative in Arizona is interesting because we're all expecting Arizona State, who goes to Stillwater, an interesting game this week to spiral because they lost everybody from the floor, mm-hmm. right? And they obviously have the NCA uh, impending sanctions hanging over their head, impending investigations, which is almost guaranteed to lead sanctions. Like it feels like that program is teetering on the brink. And and even though they crushed Arizona last year, they beat them by half a hundred. It feels like Arizona now has some momentum. So God bless college football. You can you can get hot and cold very quick. On on the two buses where we watch games afterwards, if we're at the same place with the ABC guys, there's the Allstate bus that's at the stadium. A Kirk and the game crew go go there. I typically like to go to the college game day bus. I like a little solitude, just a few people, you know, and they're watching games. And our coordinating producer. Drew Gallagher was in there. You know, LC came by a little bit later on. On one of the monitors, I kept the Arizona-San Diego State game on the whole time. And that's something that happens every week. People will keep their Superdog games on, even when it's apparent that the game is won. You know, somebody said, why is that game still up? I said, because the clock is not on zero yet. (laughs) <laughs> Bad things can happen when you pick your super dog. You got to whip them home, you know. So I was, uh, I was nothing against Brady Hoke and the Aztecs, but you know, this is as LC says, it's a business decision, sweetheart. You know, so we had to uh, <laughs> had to bring the Wildcats home. But they, you know, what? they looked really good. They even had the awful. Uh, quintessential bad Arizona play where they blocked, you know, they blocked their own punt and perhaps even injured the up back because that didn't look pleasant where he got hit with the, with the kicked ball, but it resulted in a touchdown. And I thought, Oh no, here they go. They answered it with a drive and Calvin was a, was a big part of that. And Delora was terrific too. Never ever. This is my takeaway from week one, from a picking perspective or for those who invest in investment <laughs> perspective, never ever bet on a road favorite in week one. Just don't do it. Yeah. Just don't do it. <laughs> if it's a road favorite in week one, don't bet on it. Okay. Like take that money, invest in Apple stock or Amazon or whatever you want to do. 
Do not bet on a road favorite in week one. Look at what Louisville did. Talk about a dinosaur egg that they laid up in, in the carrier. Oh, the artist formerly known as the carrier dome, I guess. Yeah. Oh, I got, I got chastised because I was making fun when we went inside with the lightning. Um, I guess, is yeah. there actually, there's actually air conditioning in that building now? Because for yeah. years it was the carrier dome, an air conditioning company, yet the building was not air conditioned. So they redid it. It, it was somewhere around COVID and I believe it does, but I honestly don't know that. And I should, cause I went to school there, but I remember they opened with Tennessee T Martin year, the year Tennessee mm-hmm. won the national title is my senior year and like nine ball players cramped up in the game. I mean, that place is a sweat box. Mm-hmm. It was, I believe in the redo air conditioning came in, but I don't, don't quote me on that. I, I think, um, I think Ed, Ed Placey, one of our, um, uh, Ed gurus. Ed, Ed's like all over that. He said, you know, they've got air conditioning now. I said, yeah, but it, it was still funny anyway. Yeah. Cause it was true when it was sponsored by the air conditioning yeah. company. What's the he's name the of it now? You scrat at ESPN. Um, J, uh, JW wireless, uh, a friend okay. of mine actually said that he, he put on Instagram, if they win this game, I'll actually learn what JW wireless is. And I don't really know what it is, but yeah. it's, uh, it, it is sort of soulless. It carrier was one of those rare, like, it was one of the first brands to, to adopt. It was like an early adopter to stadium naming. I think they paid a million bucks in perpetuity and eventually Syracuse just got out of that deal. Yeah. So like in the early eighties, they paid a million bucks. Like it was the biggest bargain in naming rights you could ever happen. And eventually, uh, eventually they, they, they wriggled out. But like when I was growing up watching games in carry Dome, I had no idea carrier was an air conditioning company. Yeah. That's, like, I, that's pe- people. Some people might not know that Wrigley is a gum. Yeah. Right. Something sure. like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if it's quite Wrigley, but it was kind of in that vein. You're right. People sure. didn't, you know, yeah. they didn't equate it with that. All right, my man. So yeah. what about, well, what about this week? Is it, I'm going to I'm gonna get to see, I'm going to get to see in person. With this. Yeah. What, I think now? we need to leave with this. This is important. If we go to the tail end of our show, the real MVP at Ohio state this weekend was not Travion Henderson. Oh, oh, no. Oh, you're right. I forgot. It was this. not Cade Stover, you know, coming up big <laughs> at tight end. It was not CJ Stroud. The real MVP <laughs> was a red coat who are the security guards who work uh, in and around Ohio Stadium named Matthew Ring. He was the MVP. So we're about two, about an hour before our show. I'm standing outside our little office in the so we're in St. John Arena in a, like a, a corridor of, a, of an arena. And I'm on the phone trying to get some information. And Reese walks out of the bathroom, and the security guard's like 10 yards behind him. He's like, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. And Reese is kind of confused. And I'm kind of watching. I'm like, does this guy want a picture? Like, what's going on here? And then Reese turns around to look at the security guard, and he has a piece of toilet paper that was at least down to his knees. It wasn't like a square of toilet paper. It was a tail, all right? It was like a tiger tail of toilet paper hanging out of the back of his pants. And so – I'm on the phone trying to try to figure out like an injury situation to break. And the, the, the person's like, okay, this is what's going to happen. And I laughed so loud and so obnoxiously that I actually didn't hear the person on the other end of the phone. Let me tell you, okay. Well, okay. There's no, there's no excuse for that. And I'm forever grateful to the red coat. Matthew uh, Ring was his name, by the way. Matthew, Matthew, Ring. I, Matthew, I, you're the man. You're the MVP. I actually think they should let you dot the I in script Ohio. So. <laughs> But there, I have a I have a pre show ritual. We'll leave it at that. And in St. John's Arena, uh, you had to do a little makeshift 
coverage there because they don't have the little things that actually do the coverage for you. And then that led that led to the mishap. And the and the aftermath of the story was I thought that you had taken the toilet paper and tied it to my backpack for post-show. Gene Wojciechowski took a long strand oh, of toilet funny. paper and tied it to my backpack. And I was and so I looked at that and I was like, oh, real, real funny. And before long, I get a text from Gino and he said, Did you get my present? And I was like, oh, <laughs> He he got even with me because I took a little I took a little dig at him all in fun to at a class we spoke to at Ohio State on Friday. So he he got me back and Matthew dot the I. So Herb Street always says that it's uh, at Ohio State it's uh, it's Woody Archie the band and then football's on down there. In my eyes now, it's Matthew Woody. Archie and the band. He, he's the man. Fight, fight that team across the field, Matthew. You're the man. The only thing I regret about this is I didn't think of the joke Gene did because that is like vintage Gene Wojo, like dry humor. <laughs> Gene is the only person I know who only speaks in sarcasm. So it was, that is like that is right from his dossier of tricks. As as good a dude as there is, unbelievable reporter, a tremendous dude. All right, I'm gonna. We'll talk more about Alabama, Texas. Talk about Stanford and USC. The game. Uh, Get to call as uh, Chris Fowler uh, does his annual U.S. Open weekend and affords me the opportunity to call a game on Saturday night. So I'll see Stanford SC. Looking forward to seeing both of those teams, particularly oh, yeah. the Trojans. And we'll talk plenty about uh, Alabama and Texas on um, and Iowa, Iowa State. And there, there are a couple of sneaky good games. Florida, Kentucky. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk enough about Anthony Richardson today, but nope, we will we did. later this week. Yeah. Um, he was he, he looked like man. He looked like. Uh, I'm not going to put him in the category, but there are at least little flashing images of, oh, yeah. of uh, Vince Young, Cam Newton, Tim Tebow. You know, a lot of uh, <laughs> there are a lot. I'm not. He's not. He's not there yet. Yeah. But there are a lot of things that make you go. Well, this might happen. I mean, yeah. The imagination can. Great. The imagination yeah. can wander there pretty easily. Yes, it like, can. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah. Uh, it's it's a, he's a long way from injuring himself dancing. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? People forget about that. I saw a yeah. lot on Saturday about how is this guy not playing? He, he, he kept getting hurt. And then yes. there were some, there were some yes. growing pains, especially oh, against yeah. the dogs last year in terms of the passing game, but he, he has improved and putting that uh, immense talent to work. We'll talk plenty about him later on. Uh, this was fun, man. Uh, make sure yeah. those extra points, uh, extra points <laughs> get done and, and tell your kids about a still undefeated. I watch. See if we can find a little O against the cyclone. Laces out, everybody. Laces out. <laughs>